0: Well, we're going to come to uh, God's words in just a moment. But um, over the next uh, five weeks, we're going to be um, journeying through the last two chapters of 1 Timothy. So Jeremiah is uh, over and finished, and we're starting a new series in 1 Timothy. And in just a moment, Dan's going to come and uh, share God's word with us uh, from this book. But before he does, we're going to read the passage together. So if you've got a uh, Red Church Bible, Uh, Please turn with me to one Timothy uh, four, verse six. And if you've got a Red Church Bible, it's on page one thousand one hundred and ninety-two. So one Timothy chapter four, verse six. We're going to read down to verse sixteen. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and impurity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, You will save both yourself and your hearers. I'm going to invite Dan to come up. I'm just going to pray for Dan before he brings God's word to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, so much for Dan. Thank you for uh, the preparation and time that he's put into your word this week. And Lord, I pray that as he speaks now, uh, that you would soften our hearts, that you would open our ears, open our minds to hear what you have to say to us. Please use Dan's words uh, to impact and change. Uh, our lives uh, through your words, this book of 1 Timothy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Well, if you want to have that open in front of you as we go through it this morning, that would be fantastic. Well, when our alarms went off this morning and we heard that horrific noise that wakes us up every day. And we look over, we roll over to our bedside table and we look at that snooze button and we're just longing to press it. We're just longing. Our body is crying out for just 10 more minutes of sleep. I wonder at that moment, what was the reason we decided to get out of bed to come to church this morning? Maybe if you're listening on podcast, maybe you just decided to stay in bed. Um, but, but, or when we were driving or we were walking here this morning to church, what did we think we were driving to? This morning when we were desperately trying to, to get the kids ready uh, out to, get, to go out of the house to come to church, what did we think we were bringing them to this morning? Right now, sitting in church this morning what is it that we think we're a part of this morning and you know the answer to the answer we give to why we came here this morning will determine everything about our attitude to church it will determine the value we place on coming to church it will determine the way that we love and we treat others that we find here at church it will determine how we get involved, how we serve one another here at church. It determines everything. And this morning, as, as we've heard, we're starting a new series in one Timothy, which is a letter that someone called Paul wrote to a young church leader called Timothy, who was leading the church in a town called Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And Paul, the person writing this letter, he gives the reason for why he's taken the time to write to Timothy. We see that in chapter 3, verse 14 to 15. Look with me in your Bibles if you have that open. Chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Paul says, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing these instructions so that if I am delayed you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. Do we see how Paul defines the church? He calls it God's household. I don't know about you, but it's not often what I think about when I think of church. Paul says this is God's house, not the building, the people. This is God's family. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. You see, the church is not some social group that we come along to. It's not just a collection of people who have similar interests. This is a family This is a household of people who love, who trust, who follow the Lord Jesus. And because of their faith in him, have become more than just acquaintances and friends. We've become more than that because of Jesus. But actually, as the New Testament constantly says, it says that we have become brothers and sisters. This is God's family. That is what the church is. Because of what Jesus has done. And Paul, again, if we go back to that verse, he says why he's written this letter. I'm writing these instructions, this letter, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. You see, because this is God's house, because this is God's family, he cares about how we conduct ourselves in this house with each other. He cares how we love and we serve one another. He cares who leads this church. That's what the whole of 1 Timothy basically, that's the theme running right the way through. Who leads this family? He cares about the way that we view the church family. And as we'll see this morning, he cares how we live as individuals In our own lives, because ultimately, if we said that we follow Jesus, how we live as individuals in this family has a wider impact than just ourselves. Now, although we have to know that Paul, he's writing this to Timothy, and Timothy, he's a church leader in Ephesus. And so primarily, this is addressing those who are in church leadership. Uh, But before we can kind of cross our arms and go to sleep and think that this doesn't apply to us, well, we have to see, look at chapter 4, verse 12 in our passage, because we see that Timothy is to set the example for all the believers, meaning that whatever Timothy was told to practice, whatever Timothy was told to do was also to be seen In those who are in the church family, it was meant to work its way down to everyone. And as we go through this passage together this morning, I've got two points as we go through it together. The first one is God's family are to train in godliness. God's family are to train in godliness. You see, there was something seriously wrong going on in this church in Ephesus that Timothy was involved leading. You see, we're jumping in halfway through the letter, but if we'd started reading from the beginning, we'd see that there are some serious problems. And the problem is that people in this church are not teaching the right stuff. They're teaching what is false. We see if you look at um, chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. And then a bit further down in chapter 1 verse 6 and 7, Paul says, Some have departed from these and turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm and then just before our passage in chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 says the spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron there's a real problem in this church that Timothy is leading There are people that are teaching things that are not right. And we see in things like in verse 3 of chapter 4, they're teaching to abstain from marriage or that people shouldn't be eating certain kinds of foods. This church is wandering far away from God's word. And so the question is, how is this church in Ephesus, how is young Timothy going to stand firm? How is he going to stand in what is true? How is he not going to succumb to to those who are teaching what is false, that is going around? Well, do you know, Paul's answer, as we'll see in this first half of the passage, the answer is that we need to start training in a spiritual gym. That's what we need to do. We see that at the end of verse 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wise tales, rather... Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Now, as you, you probably know, and as you can probably see, I'm, I'm not very familiar with the gym. Um, but I have been told on many occasions by those who are familiar uh, that physical exercise, training, working out, is utterly pointless unless it is accompanied by a healthy and balanced diet. And uh, this week, uh, I went out for a run with a couple of friends. We went around Kenley Aerodrome. Not a long run, but you know enough to feel like you had done some good exercise to start the day. It was brilliant. And so I started the morning, went down into the office feeling good about myself. Wow, I've done a run this morning. Look at me go. And on the table in the office, there were some chocolate digestives. Oh, wow, there we go. And I thought to myself, well, Dan, you've been for a run. You've been for a run. You deserve a chocolate digestive. And so I took the packet and I opened it up. I took one chocolate digestive. But as we all know, we can't just stop at one. And soon enough, the whole packet had gone, which meant that my run was utterly pointless for what I did in the morning. And the point is... The physical training without a healthy diet just doesn't work. What we eat is so important. And that's what Paul says to Timothy in our passage. Look with me at verse 6. He says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed paul says to timothy that part of his responsibility of leading this church is to point out to the church family these false and these dangerous doctrines that are going around and the way that timothy is going to be able to guard himself and the church family from those dangerous false teachings is to be nourished on the truth of the faith on the good teaching He has followed Timothy as he prepares to train himself to be godly in this spiritual gym. He's to start off by making sure he's eating and nourishing himself on the right things to keep himself being fed on God's word. And you know, Paul, in in the second letter that he wrote to Timothy, to Timothy, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, Paul again shows why Timothy should have God's word as the foundation of his life. It says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that a servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every. Good work. And that's why, firstly, it's pivotal that leaders of the church are constantly nourishing themselves on good teaching, founding God's word, making sure that their theology is sifted through the pages of Scripture. But you know, regardless of whether we're in church leadership or not, we all have some spiritual input to other people of some kind. Whether that be at home and we're passing on and teaching our children the truths of the gospel, like the wonderful news of the Lord Jesus. Whether that be sharing and answering discussion questions at our small groups that we're a part of whether that be teaching maybe at one of the Sunday morning young people's events on Sunday or during the week, or whether that even be just after the service in conversation with each other, uh, in conversation. We all have some spiritual input. We all have influence. And because we all live as part of this household, God's household, God's family, we all need to be making sure that just like my morning Weetabix was an essential part of my daily nourishment this morning, so too to let the word of God be my spiritual nourishment, my spiritual food, my foundation, each and every day. Because just like my run this morning, I'm not going to get fitter if I keep having digestives alongside running. And so too... I'm not going to grow spiritually myself, and I'm not going to help others grow spiritually unless I am nourished from God's Word. But Paul doesn't stop at just eating the right things. He goes on to tell Timothy to do some actual training. Paul says to Timothy, train yourself to be godly, and look at verse 8. Paul says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. We'll see later on what this godliness looks like. But Paul urges Timothy to train hard, to strive more than anything to live in a way that pleases God. He said it's the most valuable, it's one of the most valuable things that you as a Christian can be doing, Timothy. And Paul says, sure, physical training has some value. You know, it can maybe extend your your life expectancy, you can get fitter and healthier. But at the end of the day, physical training can't prevent death. You can't remain the strongest forever. It's only got a limit in its value, physical training. But Paul says, godliness has value for everything, both now and in the life to come. It has value for the, for the things that we're going to be doing next week, for the way that we parent, for the way that we deal with difficult colleagues at work, the way we go about friendships and relationships, the way that we love and serve one another. Godly living isn't just something God commands, it's something that has a value for us. It's something that has a benefit to us as we live God's way. And notice that the foundation of of living this way, of godliness, the foundation is the gospel. Look with me back at chapter 3, verse 16. Paul says, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the spirits, was seen by angels was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Now, that might not be how you would choose to sum up the gospel. But the point is, godliness springs from Christ. It flows from knowing him. It flows from trusting him, the gospel about him, the good news about him. And Paul again shows again why the gospel is the foundation. Look with me at chapter 4, verse 10 in our passage. He says, that's why we labor and strive. That's why we train. Because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. You know, if you, if you go to a, a normal gym, you need a motivation for going. You need something that's going to get you up out of bed. And Paul says the reason for us hitting the spiritual gym, growing in godliness, growing in faith, the motivation for us should be the gospel. We pursue godly living because God has saved us and not so that God will save us. You know, someone wrote on this. Someone said, when it comes to spiritual matters, we hesitate. Discipline sounds so much like legalism, legalism being meriting God's favor. But such thinking is mistaken. Legalism is self centered, but discipline is God centered. The legalistic heart says, I will do this thing to gain merit with God. The disciplined heart says, I will do this thing because I love God and I want to please him. And so Timothy and we this morning are told to pursue godly, disciplined, God-centered lives. Lives that reflect the gospel. Lives that reflect the Lord Jesus to each other in this family that we belong to. And to let God's word be the nourishment that provides us with the energy, the direction to live that way. So that, like Timothy, we can stand firm. We can stand firm and not be caught off guard, but be fit and strong to remain faithful to God's word and not drift from it. Secondly, and finally this morning, set the example for God's family. Set the example for God's family. You know, John C. Maxwell, he's an author, and he's written many books on what good leadership looks like. And he says the good leader is someone that knows the way, goes the way, and also shows the way. And that's what we have here in the final part of our passage. Paul tells Timothy, you're leading this church. You're telling them to live these godly lives. You're meant to to be teaching and guiding them. Make sure, Timothy, you then set the example. Look with me at verse 12. Paul says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Paul wants Timothy to be the example for everyone in every area of life. In the words that he says, in the way that he behaves and he treats others, in the way that he especially loves those who are in the church family, especially those who might oppose him. In the way that he lives out his faith, in the way that he lives and walks with the Lord Jesus, in the way that he goes about maintaining purity. Set the example. That's quite the responsibility, right, for Timothy, for this church. That's a huge responsibility. But you see, Paul knew someone had to provide an example. Someone had to, because remember, we've seen how this church has is, is maybe got people who are teaching uh, false things. And we get an insight into what their lives look like into what their actual lives look like. We see that in chapter 6, verse 4, if you want to look with me. It says, They are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt minds. When Timothy's asked to set the example in speech, in conduct, in love, in purity, it's everything that wasn't seen in the church he was at. And we see what Paul commands Timothy later on in verse 13. He commands him to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture, to set the example in that department as well, to preaching and to teaching why because this church has wandered so far from God's word. Paul says, bring that to the center. Let God's word be the foundation in the church, Timothy. Don't neglect your gift, verse 14. And in verse 15, Paul says he wants Timothy, he wants everyone to be able to see Timothy's example. He says, so that everyone might see your progress. And, you know, it's right today that church leaders set the example. It's a huge responsibility, a huge one, one that we should pray for. But it's also a real challenge to all of us this morning. Do you know, I remember being challenged by a very famous quote which says, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? For Timothy... Paul wanted abounding evidence to be seen. He wanted more than enough evidence in his life. You know, the story goes of uh, Josiah Wedgwood, the famous potter. And he was visited by a nobleman who came to have a tour around his factory. And as he was giving this tour... He brought a young lad who was working at his factory to sort of come with him. But as they were going round, the nobleman's language and behavior was vulgar, he says. Vulgar in every way. And the young boy, seeing this nobleman acting in this way, was shocked. But the more and more as he went round on the tour, he he became fascinated with the nobleman's behaviour, so much so that he ended up laughing and joking at the example he set. Seeing this, Wedgwood was deeply distressed. And at the end of the tour, he showed the nobleman one of his most unique and rare vases, The nobleman wanted it more than anything and reached out to go and take it from him. But Wedgwood dropped it and let it smash on the floor. The nobleman then at once angrily said to Wedgwood, I wanted that vase for my collection and you have ruined it by your carelessness. Wedgwood answered, Sir, there are other ruined things more precious than a vase which can never be restored. You can never give back that young man who just left, the reverence for sacred things which his parents have tried to teach him for years. You have undone their labor in less than half an hour. The problem is, is that we never think we're an example. We never think that people are actually watching us when actually the reality is that people are, just like the boy at the Wedgwood factory And because this morning we are more than just a collection of individuals, because this morning we are God's family, we are brothers and sisters, we have a responsibility to each other to set the example to each other, to point each other to the Lord Jesus in every way, in speech, in life, in word, in deed. You know, Paul at the end of the passage explains what all of this is meant to result in. Paul says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone might see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now we hear that and we might go, that's a bit shocking, right? Because we know that it's only Jesus that saves. What's going on here? Paul even says it's only Jesus that saves by faith alone. That's what we've been singing this morning. And yet it seems like Timothy can save himself, and not only himself, he can save his whole church. What's going on? How does that work? Well, ultimately, it's not Timothy that saves the church, is it? It's what we've seen this morning by what Timothy has been told to teach. Paul wants Timothy to preach and to teach what is true. He wants to speak the gospel, the amazing news of how Jesus offers his incredible love, forgiveness, and life to all those who turn and trust to him. If Timothy keeps speaking that message, then of course people will be saved if they listen to him. And ultimately, that's why our nourishment on God's word, our training in godliness is so important, firstly for our church leaders But also for us. Because if our example, if our words, if our theology are not pointing to Jesus, then that doesn't just have present consequences, that has eternal ones. Part of what it means to be church family is to make sure that we set the example for each other, we run this life together. We care for one another. We look out for one another. We pull and draw each other to focus again on the Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, let us, not, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And so next Sunday morning, when our alarms go off, what is going to be the reason that we get out of bed to come to church? Well, I hope from this morning, we get out of bed because we're family. We're part of the household of God, and we have an opportunity to encourage one another, to set the example for one another, those who are young, and those who are young set in the example for those who are old. To receive the nourishment we need from God's word. And as we sing and we praise Christ, the one who has brought us together this morning, it's him that is to remain our focus. The one that has made us children of God. The one that has made us brothers and sisters through his precious blood on the cross. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we praise you this morning that this isn't just a social event, this isn't just another community group, this isn't just a a bunch of individuals that share a similar interest, but rather this morning we gather together as family, people that you have brought and adopted by the Lord Jesus. We thank you so much that it's in him that we have forgiveness, that it's in him we have life, that it's in him that we have the perfect example of how to live. And we pray, Father, that this week we may live our lives in response to your love for us, that we may live in a way that pleases you, not to gain your favor, but rather to live in a way that pleases you, that honors you, that brings glory to you. Father, may the example that we set to each other, may it be a good one. May it be a one that draws people to Jesus and not away from him. Father, guard us from what is wrong. Guard us from what is false and what is unhelpful. And teach us to run this race together, looking to Jesus, our King, our Savior, our Lord. In his name we pray, amen.